0: Happy Easter Sunday and welcome
1: to Bethany Community Church. My name is Emily and here's what you need to know. We have resources available to guide your Sunday service time in the
0: menu bar of our live feed and in the comment sections of... Happy Easter Sunday and welcome to Bethany Community Church. My
1: name is Emily, and here's what you need to know. We have resources available to guide your Sunday service time in the menu bar of our live feed and in the comment sections of YouTube and Facebook. There you can find today's beautiful Easter bulletin, resources for children and families, and the digital Connect card. Please take a moment to fill out the Connect card to let us know you're here and any prayer requests you might have, as well as the best ways we can serve you right now. Are you finding that each day at home kind of blurs into the next? Would you like to have a sense of Easter hope and joy throughout the week? You can continue to celebrate the theme of Letting Hope Rise with daily scripture reading, prayer, and weekly spiritual practices offered through the Global Monastery. Today is a perfect day to join this community. Text DAILY to 64600 to start. It's a challenge to work from home, manage anxiety, homeschool kids, and also serve others during the stay-at-home season. Over the last month, resources to help you with these very struggles have been collected from congregants and staff. You'll find articles, videos, inspirational stories, and more are on our website and YouTube channel. For some, this current season raises more questions than answers, like where is God in all of this? This is what the Alpha Course is all about. People all around the globe have found the Alpha Course to be an informal, friendly space to explore Christianity and engage questions of faith and doubt. Bethany is offering two online courses starting soon on both Tuesday and Wednesday evenings. Register today by texting the keyword ALPHA to 6460. Thanks for worshiping with us today. You are joining people from 25 countries and 45 states. Thousands gathered online united to worship the risen Christ.
2: Well, welcome, everybody, uh, and happy Easter. My name is Prentice, uh, and I'm the lead pastor for Bethany West Seattle. Uh, we know that there are people uh, from not just all over Seattle, but, but all over the world tuning in. And so we're just so excited to worship with you uh, today. And so as we begin, uh, I just want to read from Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 6. And it says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes uh, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen.
3: He is risen, and that's what we get to celebrate today. My name is Megan Dobraz. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here at Green Lake. And in the midst of a, a very long, uncertain time, today we get to celebrate something that we know is certain, that Christ is risen. We'd like to start the service today with the traditional Easter greeting. I'll say Christ is risen and invite you to say, he is risen indeed. And we will say that three times. Christ is risen.
2: He is risen indeed.
3: Christ is risen.
2: He is risen indeed.
3: Christ is risen.
2: He is risen indeed.
3: Amen.
4: come the righteousness of God amen for your kindness to us we thank you that you uh, you came and lived among us and you died a death on our behalf and you are risen and you invite us to rise with you this morning and indeed uh, we do lord we pray that you would fill us with a sense uh, of wonder and gratefulness even in the midst of strange and confusing and challenging times you are victorious king jesus we love you in your name amen Easter 2020. What an extraordinary time we're living in. I'm Kendi and I'm the pastor for overseeing Bethany, the executive pastor and head of staff, and it is my joy to celebrate all of you. God is doing amazing things as kindergartners and college students start to learn from a distance, as community meal is offered as a hot meal to go, as prayer groups are meeting online, as worship is happening where we have to imagine your faces. But imagine no more. We want to celebrate you right now, people of hope. Notice these faces and imagine you're part of this great communion of saints. Happy Easter.
0: Happy Easter. Happy Easter from West
3: Seattle. From Bellevue. From Capitol Hill. From Finney Ridge. Happy Easter from Mon Lake Terrace. From Green Lake.
5: Happy Easter
6: from Cincinnati.
3: From Ireland. From Manchester. Manchester.
6: Franklin, Tennessee.
3: Happy Easter from Chicago, Illinois. Shoreline,
7: Washington!
3: Happy,
7: Happy Easter from, from the Hawkins family! Happy Easter, Easter. From, from the Sons.
0: Sons.
7: From the Lions family in Mount Lake Terrace!
2: Yeah! From Tom, Beth, and, to- and Emilio! <laughs>
0: and David's Penny Ridge! The Nelsons! Hang in there, folks! He is he risen!
3: He is risen, he risen. He
5: The Lord is risen.
3: The Lord is risen indeed. He is risen.
8: He is risen.
6: He is risen indeed.
2: He is risen. He is risen
8: indeed.
7: He is risen from the dead. dead. Happy Easter from Shoreline. Happy Easter from Waffle, Washington.
5: From Lake Forest Park.
7: From Shoreline. From Ballard.
3: From Maple Leaf. From Green Lake. Lake. From Edmonds.
7: From Weston Louisiana. From Florida. Happy Easter. From the Arborses Edmonds. From, from West Seattle.
9: From Seattle's Maple Leaf neighborhood.
0: Happy Easter from Knoxville. let see. Happy, happy Easter, Bethany Community Church. We, we miss you guys. We miss you
7: guys. Happy Easter
9: from Woodwood.
7: Happy
9: Easter from
7: Sammamish, Washington. From Shoreline. From From Walnut
3: Avenue. Happy Easter from Hawaii. Bothell, Washington. From the Gustafsons.
2: From
7: Ballard. From Queen Lake. From Queen Anne.
0: From Shoreline. From the freeway. Happy Happy Easter. Happy
7: Easter.
8: Easter. West
0: West Seattle.
4: Happy Easter, Bethany. From Lake Forest Park, Washington.
0: He is risen.
4: He is
1: risen indeed.
0: Happy Easter from Ballard. Happy, Happy, Easter. Easter Happy Easter. From Rodney.
1: Happy Easter from
0: Renton.
7: Happy Easter. From Lily. From Yeah. From Maple Valley. Hi. Happy Easter. Happy Easter from Kenmore.
3: Happy Easter.
7: Happy Easter.
3: Here in Tacoma, Washington. Happy Easter.
7: We're
3: from Twin Ponds Park here in Shoreline.
2: Ha 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 I mean, Happy Easter! Happy Easter from from, from Green, Green Lake. Lake! Happy Easter! From Edmonds, Washington! <laughs> from Kenmore, Washington!
5: From North East.
2: Seattle
5: Happy Easter. <laughs> Easter! From Maple Leaf!
3: From Whittier Heights! Happy, Happy Easter! Easter. Buona Pasqua.
1: Happy Easter! From Edmonds, Washington! From Seattle's City New
9: District. District! From the Mouldings in Linwood!
3: Did you get
8: it? Happy Easter!
3: Happy Easter!
8: It's It's springtime at the past! past.
7: Happy Happy Easter! Happy Easter from Sammamish!
8: From the Keelers!
7: Happy Easter, everyone! He is risen! From Seattle! Happy Easter! Jesus is alive!
3: Happy Easter from Seattle Children's Hospital! Love you guys!
1: Happy Easter, everybody. My name's Travis. I'm the pastor at Bethany Eastside.
5: And I'm Jack, and I'm the lead pastor for Bethany Northeast.
1: We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. We're going to turn our attention now to a time where we give and we practice generosity. Generosity is at the heart of the Christian faith because God was first generous to us by giving his son to us. We can be generous with one another and the world that God loves so much he sent his son into it to save it. You'll have the opportunity to give online in a bunch of different ways. You can give via text. You can give via our app. All of those options should be on your screen. And in advance of your generosity, thank you.
5: Psalm 92.1 tells us that it's a beautiful thing to give God thanks for who God is, what God has done, and the ways in which God is at work in our world. And so I invite us now to turn our hearts to prayer as we respond to God's goodness. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you, we praise you this Easter for who you are, for what you've done, and indeed for how you are at work in our world. Um, We thank and we praise you for the uncertain and in-between time we now find ourselves in, this opportunity we have to press into the truth that we can be still and know that you are God still, you are still God. We thank and praise you for the hidden wonders of each day, how there's new life every morning, there's beauty in ashes. We thank and we praise you for the acts of compassion and mercy that are evidenced in this time that are serving to further bring about your kingdom. We thank and we praise you for your patience with our weakness and your work in ways that we cannot yet see or understand. God, we thank and we praise you for emptying yourself, for entering the story of our world, for suffering, dying and rising in order to fill our lives with Christ's life. And on this day, God, we thank and we praise you most of all for the gift of your victory over death and the hope given to us that this day there is new life for us in Christ. So help us, God, remember that because Christ lives, we now too live. And we need only pay attention. May we pay attention, God, that we might bear witness to the life and the hope with which you sustain our world. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
4: say the whole earth is full of your glory and so your house is where you are and you're everywhere and so we thank you uh, today in in every living room and uh, every airport and wherever we are uh, watching uh, that we are in your house, that you are alive, uh, moving in us. Uh, Jesus, we're so grateful to be your people uh, today. Uh, Thank you for giving us faith. Thank you for giving us hope. We look to you. We sit at your feet, Jesus. We love you. Your name,
3: Amen. Amen. Hi, my name is Becca Lanasa. I'm the director of Family Ministries at Bethany Northeast. I'm so glad that we can be worshiping together from our homes this Easter. Now, Easter's always been one of my favorite holidays. See, my family we would always go to church in the morning, and then we would go back to our house, and we'd have a really tasty lunch, and then we would have the most epic Easter egg hunt. Ever, 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 ever. My mom would hide like a hundred eggs in our backyard. And it was the most amazing thing because we'd run around and we'd get them and we'd shake them. We'd try to decide what was in them. I always was a fan of jelly beans myself. So I'm curious what your favorite uh, thing that you've gotten in Easter eggs is. Maybe you can turn to someone in your family and tell them. But you know what? As fun as Easter hunts are, that's not... What Easter is all about. We know that. We know that the jelly beans, that's not what it's all about. You see, the Bible tells us that that very first Easter, the week leading up to it, Jesus had to go through some really hard things. His best friend denied that he even knew him. One of his other friends betrayed him. Jesus was arrested, beaten, and even killed on a cross. They took his body down from that cross They buried it in a tomb and they rolled a huge stone in front of the door so no one could get in. Now three days after that, some women were going to that tomb to help take care of Jesus' body. And when they got there, they had the best surprise ever waiting for them. The tomb was empty. The stone had been rolled away. Jesus' body wasn't there. Two angels stood outside and they said, if you're looking for Jesus, you're not going to find him here. He is risen. He's come back to life. And those women were filled with joy in that garden that day. They could not wait to run and tell the others the good news. Jesus was alive. Now, Jesus fills my heart with joy and power as well. I know that because he died, I can experience grace, grace and forgiveness. But I know even better than that, because he came back to life, I can be his friend forever. And that's what he wants with you too. He wants to be your friend. He knows your name. He knows everything about you and he loves you and he wants to be your friend. So today, as we celebrate Easter, I hope that we'll remember that very first Easter, the miracle of Jesus coming back to life. But I hope that we'll also celebrate the fact that Jesus is still alive and with us today. May we remember that and hold him in our hearts. Happy Easter.
6: He is risen. He is risen indeed. My name's Brad. I'm the pastor at Bethany Ballard. And I'm Scott. I'm the pastor of Bethany North. Our scripture today comes from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle, In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes,
7: I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as as breathe out violence, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God.
9: Greetings, everyone. Welcome. It's a privilege that we can be together worshiping on this Easter Sunday uh, from many places around Seattle and the greater Puget Sound area, also across the states and also other places of the world. Uh, What a joy and also what a truth that this is an Easter unlike any other. This will be the one that we remember years from now. I was looking at my granddaughter today wondering how as a four-year-old she will tell her grandchildren about Easter 2020 because it will be different than perhaps any other Easter in our lifetimes. In Joel chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that there are certain events that happen in our lives and then God speaks to us and he says, remember this, tell your children and your children's children. Why? Not just because there was an event, but because this event was catalytic to moving us in a new direction. I believe that that's something that's happening now in our culture as we gather on Easter Sunday, 2020. So please pray with me as we prepare to go into Psalm 27. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that we can gather here all around the world and listen for your voice and know that you are speaking to us in order to shape us that we might be people of hope in the midst of the circumstance in which we find ourselves, a circumstance certainly not of our choosing, a circumstance filled with darkness and pain and uncertainty, and nevertheless, a circumstance in which the reality of the resurrected Jesus has an opportunity to profoundly shape not only us, but our entire globe. And so we pray, Father, that we would have ears to hear what your Holy Spirit has to say to us today, hearts to respond, and will thank you as you shape us to be people of hope, praying in the name of Christ, amen. We want to gather, but can't. We want to worship together, but can't. We want to go to work tomorrow on Monday, but can't. Unless we're one of the essential workers. We want our friends who work in the medical field and healthcare to be safe. We want our parents and grandparents to be safe, but we can't assure their safety. There is so much right now that is out of our control. And above all of that, most significantly, we want to know when this ends. We want to know when we can get back to normal and we don't know. And so, as we gather for Easter 2020, the question on the table is this how, in the midst of such upheaval, such uncertainty, a time unlike any in our lifetime, how can we live authentically in the midst of our own fear and anxiety, in the midst of our own uncertainty, how can we live authentically in this time as people of hope? And I would suggest that the answer is we must, must move beyond this period of loss into the reality of experiencing Christ's resurrection power. Not just when this ends, But now, and I believe that Psalm 27 shows us the way because we see in uh, Psalm 27 that resurrection life becomes real in our lives as it exists in an ecosystem of three attitudes and actions that I want to share with you today. So let's look at uh, Psalm 27 together in our time on this Easter because I believe that it is a powerful Easter story. This Psalm is actually written by David And it's written at a time of disruption, so that's why it's appropriate for us. David had been given the job as king of Israel. He's anointed, he's called, he's ready, but the existing king, Saul, refuses to leave the throne. And instead of handing over the leadership the way he's supposed to, as God wanted, Saul not only refuses to hand over the throne, but he tries to kill David. So as a result of that, David needs to run away from the city. David, in Psalm 27, is in social isolation. Not because of a virus, but because of multiple assassination attempts. So he's running, he's hiding in caves, people want to kill him. At one point, in order to preserve his life, he's cut off from his family and feigning insanity. David... On top of all this, David does not know how long this state of chaos will last, just like you and I don't know. And so right there in this section of Scripture, Psalm 27, David's attitudes and actions show us authenticity and hope because David believes in the resurrection. And so what I want to do is look together in our time together today at three attitudes and actions that exist together as an ecosystem, which if practiced, will lead us to become people of hope right in the midst of this uncertainty. And the first attitude is this. David demonstrates the reality of both confidence and communion with God. Confidence, communion with God. These are very important as attitudes if we're to live as people of hope. We see it in the text and we begin in the very first verse. Psalm 27 verse one, David makes two confident declarations. This is what he says. The Lord is my light light and my salvation. So under this banner of confidence, two things, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. What do those things mean? Let's look at light to begin with. This is really good news, but sometimes when we think of light spiritually, we think of light in kind of moralistic uh, 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 terms so that when we hear the scripture that says, for example, in Ephesians walk in the light, maybe our mind runs to this. Well, you know, Keep your sexuality in check and be honest and avoid destructive self-medication. Self-medic- Don't get drunk. Uh, all, you know, just keep, live a clean life, and that's what it means to live as a person walking the light. I want to suggest that in this text, in Psalm 27, light is articulated here as the headwaters of life. Because we all know this, and this is physically true, if there were no light, there are no flowers. If there was no sun, if there was no sunrise, if there was no day and night, without light, we don't live. Light is the source of life. That's why in John 1, when we're introduced to the person of Jesus, we read this, in him, Jesus was life, and his life was the light of men. Light and life are inextricably woven together so that without light, there is no life. And so what we read here is super powerful then because we come to this and this is what we come to discover when I tap into Christ I'm tapping in to the source that will bring the fullness of life to my spirit, my deepest identity, my thought life, my priorities, my emotional well-being, my food choices, how I carry my sexuality, my shopping choices and a million other things. I'm offered through the light of Christ to be a person walking more and more towards spirit and soul and body wholeness, but that wholeness begins with confessing Christ as life and turning to Christ as light again and again and again. When we're yoked with Christ, we're drawing upon this resource that leads our lives to fullness. The Lord is my light. I have a source that can heal me. I have a source that can fill me. I have a source that can energize me. I have a source that can direct me. I have a source that can bring clarity to my life. I have a source that can so fill me that even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of loss, even in the midst of financial insecurity, I can still live as a person of hope. This is really important. My uh, my dad had the life that he loved ripped off. Because of multiple bouts with pneumonia when he was a child. And because he had this pneumonia as a child, uh, he needed to retire early from his job. He retired at the age of 45. He had weak lungs. And uh, so he was an athlete all through college, uh, track, baseball, basketball. But but by the time uh, he was 45, just before he retired, he would come home and immediately you have to go put oxygen on it to wear oxygen because the day just exhausted him. Uh, Just before he died, he needed oxygen just to get out of bed and walk to the bathroom. But at the age of 45, he would come home from work. And I didn't think of it at the time because I was a junior high kid. I'm playing basketball out front, shooting above the garage. I played basketball in junior high. I'm waiting for my dad to come home. Dad would come home. He'd park the car on the street so that I still had my basketball court. He'd come out and I had no idea how sick he was as a junior high kid, but he'd come out and he'd say, hey, uh, let's play a little horse. And then we play a game of horse. Most of you know the game. And my dad is wheezing and he's coughing. And as a junior high kid, I was like this. So cool that he loves basketball. No, not really. He'd go inside and he'd immediately lay down and put on oxygen. Uh, he loved me, not basketball. And what I love about those moments with my dad, <laughs> even when he had nothing to give, he gave. He had, he had, a, he had a strength. I would say this way, not his own. So when I look back, this love in the midst of his own pain, I know now, was offered to me because he was tapped into a source of life that enabled him to love even when he had no love to give. In spite of his own loss, in spite of his own fear, in spite of his own illness, boy, that's what we need today. People who can give and give and give even though we're afraid. Even though we're experiencing loss, even though the tank is empty, we get up, we put on our shoes, and we love. Why? We're tapped into a different source, Christ, as light. That's what we need. (laughs) Dad was tapped into the source, the light that brings life to the universe, Christ, and his example is part of why I'm here today sharing with you. And that's the best gift we can give anyone in this angry, frightened world. The light that is Christ, which we cannot give without first receiving it. But once we receive it, we can give it. No matter what the circumstances, the Lord is my light. Second, still under this banner of um, confidence, He says, the Lord is my salvation. And so if light means we're flooded with positives, salvation means this, the word means deliverance. It means the Lord is washing away the negatives. I'm not only flooded with positives, but because the Lord is my salvation, uh, the, the, the negatives are washed away. So right here in the midst of the virus and the closures and, 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 and the season when your own house might feel like a prison, <laughs> right in the midst of ICUs and grocery stores, right in the midst of financial loss and career uncertainty, what we're saying is that God is delivering us. God is washing stuff away. What would God wash away in a season like this? Oh, you know, fear, prejudice, anger, small living, greed, uncertainty. How do we tap in to the light that brings hope and salvation that washes away fear and greed and small living. How do we tap into the light and the salvation? How do we do that? Well, David's answer is found in verse four. This is what he says. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, he says this, one thing I've asked from the Lord, one thing. One thing, this is what he says, one thing I've desired of God, one thing I'll seek. Now think with me about David in this moment. It's amazing to me. If you'd been anointed king, but an insane man refuses to leave the throne and instead is chasing you down, he's already tried to kill you twice, what one thing would you ask of God? Safety? That would make sense. Ascendancy to the throne that is rightfully yours? That would make sense. Death to the crazy man who's on the throne? That too would make sense. So let me ask you, what one thing would you ask of God today? And it's kind of a poetic question because the Psalms are poetry and as such, the question is intended to reveal our priorities, right? God isn't saying you'd only have one thing. God is saying, if you could only ask for one thing, what's the one thing that you would ask for? It's a good question. Picture a menu of things. You want financial security? That makes sense. Job security makes a lot of sense these days. Powerful influence of the world could make sense. A family to love could make sense. World peace could make sense. The end to this virus could make sense. The end to environmental destruction could make sense. But remember, you can only ask one thing. What's David's one thing? The throne? No. Uh, Death to the crazy man? No. One thing I've asked. Watch this. To behold the beauty of the Lord. For me, that's incredible. The one thing I want, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Now, why would he say that? Here's why. Because if you have the throne, or the power, or the influence, or the health, or the money, or the career, or the death of the virus or the end of environmental destruction, if you have the one thing that you really wanted, but you haven't been ravished with the beauty of Christ, all you have is the one thing. You got your job, lucky you. You have a full bank account, congratulations. You saved the rainforest, great. But if you have intimacy with Christ, if you've been ravaged by the beauty of your creator, if you know God and the sacrifice of the cross, then you're tapped into the headwaters that is the source of all meaning, all beauty, all justice. You're now tapped into the one who will bring an end to racism, and poverty, and human trafficking, and the coronavirus, and isolation, and every other vestige of darkness in the universe. Don't start with your pet issue and let that be the one thing. Make... Knowing Christ, the one thing, because there is one right answer to the one thing I have desired. And what's that one right answer? God's beauty. Seek to know God. And out from this comes your calling. Out from this comes your community and a trajectory of hope for the whole world. But it starts with having one single, foundational, relentless desire. One thing I've desired. To know the beauty of the Lord. You can't know when the vaccine arrives. We can't know when we get to worship again together in a building. We don't know when school opens. <laughs> we don't know when our investments will be above water. We don't know whether we'll be infected or our parents will be infected or our children will be infected. But we can know the beauty of the Lord. We can know. <laughs> we, we, can, we can seek to see the beauty of the Lord and in seeking to to encounter the beauty of the Lord as David does. So turn off the news a little bit anyway and turn on your antenna, seek the Lord because the beauty's here, right here, right now, right in the midst of all the chaos that is April, 2020, the beauty of Christ is still here. Beauty and faithfulness and power and provision and hope. You've already heard about this global monastery. You could text daily to 64600 and join us daily for a Bible reading and prayer. That's one way of seeking to encounter the beauty of the Lord. You can encounter the beauty of the Lord in creation, certainly. Maybe you can't get out and, and, and hike very much or something like that, but all you, can, all you need to do right now is, is go into your garden or walk in a park and you can see flowers. And you can see that God is still bringing seasons, still bringing sunshine, still bringing provision. So uh, through text, we encounter the beauty of the Lord. Through creation, we encounter the beauty of the Lord. And through people, we encounter the beauty of the Lord. I want to share with you now briefly two testimonies of people who've seen The beauty of the Lord in their ministries and vocations, the first is uh, from an anonymous healthcare worker, anonymous by virtue of uh, a hospital directive, and the other is somebody who serves at our community meal. Eric, uh, let's listen and watch together these two testimonies.
3: I've seen God's character revealed in the midst of my work as a nurse in all the ways you might expect. Just as Jesus was bold to be with the sick, I have seen people portraying God's kindness and love and going above and beyond to care for those who are sick in body, mind, and spirit. Where I've unexpectedly seen God's character is in the creativity of people working to fight this virus.
5: I've seen the beauty of the Lord at the community meal takeout service in a couple different ways. Um, First is just the willingness of the volunteers to still come in in times of crises, put together a great meal, and... um, put some nourishment back into the guests that come in. Uh, Second place that I've seen it really is just the appreciation, the patience, and um, the care that the guests take when they come in and just the look on their faces to see um, just how happy they are that they're still getting a meal to go.
9: So David's one thing is pretty clear. He wants to see the beauty of the Lord, and as we bring this first attitude of confidence and communion kind of to a close, I'm going to leave you with a question here—the first Easter question for the morning, for the day. What's the one thing you want today? What's the one thing you want God to do for you? One thing. Talk about it as a family today. I hope you will. There's a second attitude that's really important. David calls out, calls out to God. We see it in verses seven uh, through through twelve particularly verse seven, hear, O Lord, I'm crying with my voice. It's not all sweet and roses. It's a dark time in David's life and in ours. And this section reminds me of the women at the tomb uh, with the scripture that we read at the beginning out of Luke. Uh, They're there at the tomb and Jesus was already risen. Death was already defeated. A new world order had already been born, one uh, which will someday find its fullest expression. When that new world order finds its fullest expression, every tear will be dried from every eye, every disease will be healed. No more war, no more human trafficking, no more addiction stealing people's lives, no more isolation, no more loneliness, no more death. But on that Easter morning, just like this one, that isn't here, excuse me, in fullness yet. Christ is risen But these women at the tomb, uh, they're sad. Resurrection life is here, available, and not fully seen. It's very interesting. In such times, how does David pray? This is what he prays. God, I pray that you won't hide your face from me. In other words, stated positively, here's what David is saying. excuse me i don't need deliverance from my situation as much as i need to see your face i need to know that god is with me in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty and if i can know that god is with me that will be enough right that's foundational that'll see me through to the other side i must know that god is with me god don't hide your face from me in this time and of course our time is very similar to the time of the tomb Because Jesus is risen. The new world order has begun, but we don't yet see the full reality of it. In fact, like the women at the tomb and the disciples were tempted to despair. Mary says, they've taken away my Lord. John 20, verse 14. She comes to the tomb, there's no body. They've taken away my Lord. The Lord was her strength, her security, her hope, her future. But the previous Jesus, the post-resurrection Jesus was not really her security. She needed the resurrected Jesus. But they've taken away my Lord. What's been taken from you in the last six weeks? Financial security? 401k? Taken. Confidence regarding tomorrow? Taken. Ability to hug my own grandchildren? Taken. Job security? Taken. Safety for your elderly parents? Taken. Plans for this summer? Taken when all that was known and reassuring to David was being taken away in Psalm 27, he cried out to God and prayed to see God's face. So here we can see that the confidence David has in verses one through six isn't rooted in his circumstances. The existing king still wants to kill him. He's still on the run. He's still hiding in caves. He still doesn't know uh, what what he'll eat for his next meal. (laughs) But he knows one thing. He knows that God is not only real but living, not only living, but available to walk with us through the trials. So has stuff been taken? Yeah. What do we do? Call out. I was out uh, kind of hiking in the backyard in the mountains where I live yesterday. And I was listening to a podcast And in the podcast, the guy who was talking said this, look, before you can ever get into the joy of living as as a person of hope in the midst of this crisis that we face today, we first have to have have the courage to pour out our hearts to God in lament. I didn't want to hear that. But I did hear it. So I was out on a hike, and when I got up on a ridge, Uh, I took my headphones off. I was listening to this podcast. And I just kind of began to pour my heart out to God. And I want to tell you, I just started to weep. (laughs) For those I know who are healthcare workers, uh, who are afraid to go to work, for the loss that people are experiencing firsthand, situations that I know, for the fear that all of us feel, for the staff that is Bethany Community Church, for the uncertainty of the future. And I poured my heart out. And then the pouring out of the heart began, it kind of led to this praying. And I began to pray for all of our lead pastors and their families. And then our board members here at our church. And then my friends who run ministries around the world rooted in hospitality who can't do anything right now. Wave after wave calling out. And it brings me to my second question. The goal is to be people of hope in this time. But the first question, what's the one thing you would ask of God? And here's the second question. Are you calling out? Are you finding space in your life now to pour your heart out to God? Like it was very important for me yesterday to just weep a little bit actually. It's really important. I didn't know it, but it was important. Find space in your life Go for a walk. Pour your heart out. That's what David does. And it leads ultimately to the third attitude, which is faith in a resurrection future. It's a really interesting end to Psalm 27. This is what David reads or says. He says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, He's on the run. There's people who want to kill him. He's hiding in caves. He's afraid. And yet he has this confidence. He says, I'm, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And this made all the difference for David. And properly understood, I believe this can make all the difference for us too. What does the land of the living mean in this text? Here's what it means the land of the living isn't just any land. The land I'm living is the land that's created by the author of life. Does that make sense? In other words, we create lands, humans, we humans create lands. In the Babylonian Empire, uh, Hammurabi had this code, and he, he created a land. He created an empire. Hammurabi said, hey, there's three kinds of people. There's the superior people and the commoners and the slaves, and they have different rights and the slaves will live short lives, and the the superiors will live long lives, and the commoners will be somewhere in the middle. That's the way it is. That's a land. It's not the land of the living. Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, available to everybody. If you're male, and a citizen, and a landowner, but nobody else, that's a land, not the land of the living. Soviet Revolution promised liberation for the working class, but ended in massive poverty and wealth-concentrated uh, tiny ruling class. It's a land. It's not the land of the living. There are lands with racism. There are lands with human trafficking. There are lands that create and thrive on addiction. they are lands, not the land of the living. We create mini lands as well. Each one of us do. They're called net worth, <laughs> bomb-proof fitness, expand my market share, build my ideal family. None of these last forever. It's not the land of the living. And we know just how fragile and fleeting they are now more than ever. And these things, at the very least, when we view them as sources of comfort and assurance and identity, are Terribly disruptive in this moment when they're taken away. Why? They're not the land of the living. Don't build your life on net worth. Don't build your life on body mass index. Don't build your life on sexual conquest. Don't build your life on political ideology. Don't. It's not the land of the living. So here's Jesus' response. Remember, the women come to the tomb. Jesus is gone. They think the body's been stolen. The messengers say, as was read, Why are you seeking the living one among the dead? Listen, the land of the living isn't created by Americans or Republicans or Democrats or Karl Marx or Malcolm X or the Green Party or your job or your money or your house. The land of the living rises from the ashes of loss because the author of life is most clearly seen when everything else is stripped away. Hello, that's today. So this is opportunity. To with David say this, the one thing I want, the beauty of the Lord. I'm pouring my heart out with my fear, my anxiety. And I will seek to dwell in the land of the living, which is where Christ is. It's that author, Christ, that source which we declare and worship and point one another toward and seek to embody. And both the beauty and the challenge of this resurrection life on the far side of disorder is that that what is on the far side of disorder is new, unlike anything before. So the last question is simple. Are you seeking life in the land of the living? (laughs) Never before has it been so clear that other lands don't last, never before. So here we are, Easter 2020. We'll tell our children about it. We'll tell our children's children about it. But it's not the first plague. There were two major plagues in the first three centuries after Jesus rose from the dead. The plague of Antonine wasn't a single year plague. It was 15 years, 165 to 180 A.D., The plague of Cyprian was from 250 to 271. In both plagues, 25% of the population died. In both plagues, the church grew exponentially. What's that about? Well, you see, Christ followers, they were the land of the living in that moment. They'd overcome the fear of loss so they weren't hanging on to their own lives. They were serving on the front lines in, 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 in hospice care and, and uh, health care. They weren't afraid of the other, so they served everyone, no matter your politic, no matter your religion, no matter your income. And most significantly, they weren't afraid of death because they knew that the life that we live now is just part of life. So they became the land of the living, and let me tell you something: the land of the living is very appealing at this moment in history, <laughs> when everything else is turning to ashes. One epidemiologist in um, Minnesota said, "You know, when this started, I thought it might be like a snow day. Like we, okay, one day, we'll we'll kind of rise to it. It'll be fun." Stay home, hot chocolate, skip work. And then, no, you know, it's not a snow day. I think it's a blizzard. I think we're here for a while. So let's stock up on soup and toilet paper. You know, we want to make sure we're going to be okay. And then, oh, wait. I'm not even sure it's just a blizzard. I think this is winter, man, in Minnesota. <laughs> Six months. Winter? I mean, the plague of Cyprian was from 2050 to 2071. Maybe it's a mini ice age. But let me tell you this you don't need to be afraid. Because you are invited to dwell in the land of the living. You are invited to pour out your heart to God. You are invited to behold the beauty of the Lord. Why? Because He lives. Join us in this journey as people of hope. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you so much that on this Easter, unlike any other, you invite us not to survive, but to thrive. But not to thrive by just uh, singing louder and praising more, but by pouring out our hearts, by, by knowing you, by encountering your beauty, and by, by dwelling in the land of the living. Would you take us there by your spirit, Father? And we'll thank you for the adventure that awaits as we follow you, no matter our condition. Praying in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. as we close today i want to just let you know a couple of things first of all starting next week we're beginning a kind of a short series in april and may in the very early chapters of acts entitled the new shape of things the church faced in their very first days unprecedented upheaval and they didn't know what to do and where to turn just like now so i hope you'll join us as we look at how god guided them in order that we ourselves might find guidance as well. And then also I'll remind you, God is still writing in this moment a story of hope in the world. And you're invited into that story. And so if you aren't in that story, you don't know that you're in that story, those who are online right now would love to pray with you, guide you into new life in Christ. Say yes to that story. It is the one thing that lasts. And this is why I leave you with a beautiful word from the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, Jesus our Lord, may he equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in God's sight, working in us through the power of Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. May you know the adventure of following Jesus even this week in the midst of all that we face together as a globe. Go as people of God in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See you next week.